Welcome to another episode of Any Given Monday. I'm Hayden Nadoni, and joining me as always, Duncan Song. Dunk, mate, how you doing this week? Uh, not so great, Nads, unfortunately. I just want to take this opportunity to apologize to everybody up front that this episode's been a little bit delayed. As you can probably tell from my voice, I've been a little bit under the weather, and I'm still not quite back to 100%, but we got a huge show, and we just had to get it out, so I'm here. We're ready to go, Nads. What have we got in store? You're a tough trooper, mate. Respect, respect. <laughs> Look, we, we've been talking this episode up for a while. So we've got a guest interview today with Scott Winner of Cover 32, and he's going to provide us with not just a update, he's going to provide us with the update of the Raiders' search for a new stadium. I've been excited about this for quite a bit of time. Realistically, there are very few people who know as much as this situation as Scott does. You're not going to get a more in-depth, detailed report on this saga anywhere else on the record in mainstream media. Get the real story with this interview with Scott Winner today. I'm excited, Dunk. Oh, me too, Nads. It is a really, really in-depth, really quality interview. So for those of you that are interested, this is going to be right up your alley. For everybody else, it's going to give you a real insight into something that we really don't get a lot of, you know, discussion or doesn't get a lot of airtime in, in Australian mainstream media. So you're going to get a lot of in-depth stuff. But before we get to the interview, Nads, I think we should run through the social media of the week. Just take a look at, at, at what's been going on. So let's start off. Nads, what was your social media love for the week? Dunk, we've got a bit of a Raiders theme going on this week with the Raiders Stadium talk. And there's a bit of Raiders social media love that I've got. I've got coming their way. So a few players this week, Kalecio Assembly, Brendan Trowick, and Taiwan Jones, they flashed quite a number of photos from their trip to Australia and New Zealand on social media. So they took a few photos of them hanging out at Bondi Beach. They were there on top of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. But my favourite one was in New Zealand. And Kalecio Assembly, he weighs about 350-odd pounds. He's a big dude. He's a big lad. And he was on the world's highest swing. So it's about 350 feet, so about 130-odd metres. And he's bouncing right off this swing like there's no tomorrow, just completely just bungee jumps out there. And when you're earning roughly $12 million a year, you're going to be scaring the hell out of the coach. And the coach really, Coach Del Rio, he was, he was shitting himself on social media. I can imagine. You, you do not want your expensive and very heavy offensive guard bungee jumping very often, I can tell you right now. I'm just glad the rope didn't break. No, I think a lot of the people in the Raiders organization are very happy about that too, Nets. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, so it was good to see them hanging out in our, our neck of the woods down under and in New Zealand. Um, what about your hate of the week, Nats? Dunk, this is a bit of a controversial one. Uh, Vince Young, he's making a comeback. So a few days ago, he announced that he wants to come back to pro football. And currently, he's looking at the Canadian Football League as a potential route to make that happen. He's also filed the trademark, Make Vince Great Again. Mm. And I mean, this is a guy who hasn't been on a regular season roster since 2011 when he was on Philly's dream team. Now, I don't know what's worse, the dream team or make Vince great again. What do you reckon? Definitely make Vince great again. Look, I'm actually kind of concerned now because the make America great again, that trademark worked for Trump. Like, that worked. 
I'm worried that this is going to work for Vince Young and we're going to see him again. Why couldn't the Madden curse just do its job, get rid of him, and he can sail off into the sunset? It would be very nice for him just to go away. This is a guy who hasn't played in the NFL in over six years. Um, he hasn't been on a regular season roster since 2011, and he's 33 years old. So he never really was that great a player anyway when he was in the NFL. I'm not going to dispute his college football ability. He was an absolute star he at Texas. In college. Yeah, that Rose Bowl game cool. against USC to win the national championship, that was one of the best games in college football ever. Yep. So, Vince, you're pretty much one call away. If you want to stay involved in football, you're one call away to get into Texas's college football program. So that makes sense. But instead, if you want to come back and be a player in the league, no. Vince, go away, get into coaching, do some commentary for all I care. Heck, if you still want to throw a ball around, go and be teammates with Tim Tebow trying to make the big leagues in baseball. Just, we don't want you in football anymore. Stay away. Wow, that was emphatic, Nads. That's, that's, that's a lot of hate. Yeah, I... Look, I'm dishing it out this week. I, I really don't like the idea of Vince coming back into the league one bit. No, nah, and I don't blame you. But that's our roundup of social media for the week, guys. We'll be sure to give you a new update for next week's episode. But now, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. It's the, the interview with Scott Winter. <laughs> I feel like as a Raider fan, we've been discussing getting a new stadium for the better part of the last decade or so. And right now, it appears that we're closer than ever to a new stadium in which we would see the Raiders actually relocate to Las Vegas. Now, here to give us some insight on that deal, my go-to man on this, he's a reporter from Cover 32, and he's also written some articles at Last Word on Pro Football, Scott Winner. Scott, great to have you on today, mate. Oh, appreciate it. Thank you. So, Scott, thanks for coming on the show. Just to start, do you want to give the listeners a bit of a background as to yourself and how how long you've been following football for? I've been following the Raiders since uh, I was, I could remember. Um, my actual first football memory is uh, my father screaming at the television over the Immaculate Reception. So, quite <laughs> a long time. That's the yeah, best part of about 40 years ago. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little... Uh, little uh gray on the side of the years you know how that works uh but as <laughs> as as to um covering this stadium situation i put about three thousand hours into this um it, it it intrigued me because of my uh, background with uh caesar's entertainment and helping them uh out here where i'm at the casino um harris cherokee uh, casino i work to uh help bring live gaming here and that included doing presentations for the uh, Eastern Band of the Cherokee Indians and the state of North Carolina, as well as the uh, um, all the directors at uh, Harris Cherokee. So it's kind of unique. Um, I also do uh, uh, business con uh, consulting, consulted with them, consulted with the local college and whatnot, help people get businesses and, and whatnot, own another business. But so it was. I was uniquely... Uh, uh, geared toward uh, um, this sort of situation. It's like following, uh, uh, it's like going to college, Big Business 101, this whole stadium situation. And I've been, I've been uh, covering it since before uh, uh, the uh, Los Angeles vote. Wow. Well, that, that, that's, a fair, that's a fairly long time. Um, are, you, yeah, are you able to break down the financing structure of this proposed Vegas stadium? 
yes, I can. If you're looking at if you're looking at the stadium, it's going to be broken down. Obviously, you have the stadium authority. Stadium authority is uh, created by uh, the bill SB one 2016 uh, from Nevada. It gives the stadium authority the uh, responsibility to uh, put out the bonds for uh, so that they can collect seven hundred and fifty million dollars uh, to put towards uh, the stadium because the state is going to own the stadium and it'll be controlled through the stadium authority. Um, they are going to then collect uh, taxes. There's a 0.88 cent tax increase that will start March 1st in Las Vegas. They will collect those taxes to pay towards uh, bond repayment. Um, it's set to, to go over 33 years, uh, but their plan is to pay it off in half that time. They're gonna set up, uh, they're, gonna with, they're gonna hold back two years of that uh, as a waterfall fund, which is going to cover both, uh, if they don't if they don't come up with seven hundred and fifty dollars in the bonds, then waterfall will have to cover up any shortfall. And if they if for some reason um, they are not they don't collect enough taxes to make a bond payment, then they'll tap into the waterfall fund as well. Uh, of course, uh, for that to happen, uh, uh, it would have to. I think hotel occupancy would have to drop below sixty percent. That hasn't happened in my lifetime, so um, I think we're pretty fair to say that won't happen. But the other thing that they're responsible for is to collect sales taxes off of the uh, revenue um, for the stadium. They will then pay that to Clark County. They're expecting anywhere from thirty to thirty-five million a year in um, sales tax revenue that'll go directly to the coffers of Clark County. Now that's the stadium authority. Um, it is not responsible for any. Um, collecting any revenue from the stadium other than the taxes. Um, so it will not get uh, any uh, revenue split with the uh, Raiders or the Stadium Events Company. I'm going to get into the Stadium Events Company next. Stadium Events Company is going to be an LLC that's going to be owned by Mark Davis. It's going to be a separate entity. Um, and it will bring on either a partner. Um, that was Sheldon Adelson before. It's no longer. Or it's going to bring on... Um, it's going to take out a loan, and uh, it will repay those loans from that particular company. Stadium Events is going to manage all non-football events. It's going to negotiate with the NFL for possible Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, that sort of thing. It will enter into an agreement with UNLV. Now, UNLV's part is uh, um, specific to the, the bill. Um, they'll only pay operating costs, and they'll get to keep all of their game day revenue. And they'll have digital signage. They'll be able to keep that as well, um, advertising and such. Um, they'll also be able to do, you know, has got its own little bubble, and they'll be able to do what they, they want to do and collect uh, money from that. Now, the NFL does have priority per the bill, uh, excuse me, the law. Um, so we'll get into that as well. So we've got the stadium events company, and it'll create, it'll enter into a lease agreement with the Raiders as well. Now, the Raiders will have, which is Al Davis Football Incorporated, or LLC, excuse me, it will have its own deal with the stadium events company, and that's they will collect all of their revenue. They will have uh, uh, luxury boxes, concessions, signage, sponsorships. They will keep all of that money for the uh, for the team, and that should be somewhere in the neighborhood of 125, 230 million in a year in revenue. So those are the entities that make up the. Um, different financial 
well, companies that make up the uh, the uh, the stadium itself. Now, the loan money will only come out of the revenue that's driven uh, that's uh, uh, created by the stadium events company. It will not be part of um, Al Davis Football Incorporated, the Raiders team revenue, because that'll be separate, it'll be a separate entity. So. It, let's say um, the stadium re- uh, event company should make anywhere from 125 to 225 uh, million a year, and that's all based on the low and the high of uh, uh, projections on events, non-football uh, events. So you know, concerts, monsters truck, UFC, that sort of thing. Um, there is no competition in the area for a large stadium. They will tear down Sam Boyd Stadium. So the only the only game in town when it comes to the big events for Taylor Swift or Beyonce and uh, that that sort of thing, uh, uh, NCAA Final Four stuff like that, um, will be the uh, the uh, Raiders Stadium. So it'll draw if if you take out a loan, say for six hundred million, um, and you're paying back two points above prime, which is six percent, you're looking at roughly thirty six thirty eight. Uh, a million a year in payments over 30 years. The uh, Raiders are going to lease the stadium in their proposal, their draft proposal. They're going to lease it for 30 years, and they're going to have four five-year lease options they could actually stay in the building for 50 years. Um, again, the stadium authority owns the building, which means the state owns it, and uh, the, the Raiders and the stadium authority will be, uh, uh, stadium authority will manage it, and the Raiders will be tenants. Right, so it sounds like a pretty complicated structure, but it, it makes a lot of sense for all the parties involved. I just want to go back a little bit. You mentioned Sheldon Adelson in there um, at one point, and it seemed as though there's been a lot of you know debate about his role and his involvement in this stadium process. Um, at one point, it sounded like he almost wanted to buy a part of the Raiders, and then at other reports said that he didn't. So could you just explain what exactly Adelson wanted for his $650 million that he was going to commit? Well, this whole process started with a proposal back in April, and it had gone back before that, but the official proposal came in April 28th, I believe. Um, and it included uh, everything, the structure that I told you about. That was all part of the original, um, the original uh, proposal. Uh, the difference is, is between April, when basically it got into July and August of the SNTIC meetings, which is a Southern Nevada uh, Tourism and Infrastructure Committee that was created by the governor. Um, they also had with that, everything that I said, plus they had a tax um, increment finance district. What that means is, is if I build a building or a complex in a particular area, that complex is then going to raise the value of the property surrounding it. If it's you know something like a stadium or a big casino, yeah. whatever. So they were going to create a, an artificial boundary where the stadium events company would then be able to collect that extra, those extra taxes based on the the, the value of the land going. Um, that's called uh, tax uh, incremental financing. Now, Sheldon Adelson was going to run that part of the business. And he was going to get about $25 million a year just in the TIF, okay? Yeah. And that's what, for him, 
that was going to be the big enchilada, um, the big money. Well, they had to drop that to get it passed, to get an SNTIC recommendation, and then, of course, to get it passed the, the state legislators because um, they weren't going to pass the, the uh, stadium bill with that included. So what happened was, if you do the math, I mean, that's $100 million every four years, and that's a billion over 40 years, okay? So, um, and yeah, it's a lot of money. Now, now, granted, Sheldon Addison, I doubt he would be with us in 40 years, but it was a lot of money. And you, you look at, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest up to $650 million in this project, and I'm going to get, uh, you know, over 40 years, I'm going to get, ooh, you know, I'm going to get at least 100, 100 billion. I mean, excuse me, 1 billion, my bad. Not sure. 1 billion. <laughs> you know, and that's a nice return. And that's not counting that his money was also going to be paid back um, through bonding in the uh, stadium events company. It was all set up for that. But that was going to be, you know, yum, yum profit. And uh, Andy Abood specifically said in the uh, stadium of uh, the SNTIC meetings that, uh, um, Adelson doesn't do any project unless he's getting a 15% return on investment. And that was, I mean, it was very clear about that. I mean, crystal clear about that. So when that was dropped off, that ended the deal. So Adelson at that point asked all of the private investors at the time, I think when was part of it. And then you had Ed Ruski of uh, uh, Majestic. Majestic. They bowed out uh, at the request of Sheldon Adelson. The Sands was not going to, the Sands Corporation actually wasn't going to do anything with it. It just became an Adelson family investment. And what happened is, okay, so that happens. They have no deal. Now, they had a deal going into this. Greed in principle, the NFL was on board with how everything was going to work. I mean, they really did have this thing lined up. But when they had to take that tiff off of there, Adelson was, you know, holding a billion dollar deficit now that he wasn't going to get. So there was no deal. First thing Adelson um, decides to do is go public um, in his negotiations and after the deal broke down and before the SNTIC had actually voted to recommend this uh, with Yahoo, uh, with Yahoo uh, Finance and say that he wanted a piece of the team, that his grandson just loves football and he wanted a piece of the team. So he, he said that himself. Um, that wasn't going to fly, though. No, uh, I, kinda, I don't know. I can't imagine Mark wanting to sell the team either. No, Mark. Mark. I mean, we're talking. I mean, I can go back during that whole process. I mean, even the Sands guys um, went on went on uh, record saying that Mark wasn't going to sell the team. It'd be a whole lot easier if he was going. to, I mean, a, a stake in the team. I don't mean to actually sell out, but a stake. And, yeah, something uh, like twenty percent. Twenty percent, five percent, ten percent, whatever, whatever it would take to get the deal done. Mark wasn't going to do it. So. Because, I mean, he could stay, uh, sell a stake in the team and stay in Oakland. This is, uh, you know, this is, this is not what he wants to do. So it started there. Now, Adelson is a man who's used to getting his way in, um, in negotiations. And he plays hard, hard, hardball. I mean, like, you know, the, just ask for everything. I mean, he usually gets most everything. Well, this was something the NFL wasn't going to deal with, and you could tell you could if you if you watched it from afar, and you were you were watching the back and forth in the media because the NFL plays hardball in the media also. After Adelson said that, it wasn't a week that all of a sudden the NFL is announcing that Eric Grebman's going to Oakland. They're going to pitch something else to Oakland, and and um, 
Roger Goodell said, uh, hey, look what we did here in uh, Minnesota. It'd be great if we could do the same thing in Oakland. And, uh, yeah, we're looking at Vegas, but Vegas has got a long way to go. And we don't know if we're there yet. And that was a, basically a shot back at Adelson, in my opinion. The way I look at things, you know, the, you know if, and how these two giants do business and, and negotiate the media. So then it goes back and um, uh, the SNTIC recommends it, even though there's no deal between Adelson and Mark Davis. Now, they're working towards a, a deal and. Um, of course, the Raiders were blindsided by the whole, uh, by the whole, I'm asking for a piece of the team. And Mark Davis flew down there, I mean, immediately and had a conversation with Sheldon Alice who said, you can't have a piece of the team. Um, that just was a done deal. You can't do that. That is off limits. So they go through the whole process of uh, getting this, uh, the, the SNTIC set up, the special session set up, and they go to uh, do... The, 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 the legislator thing to get the bill passed and right at the end of it, <laughs> just as they're ready to vote and basically put the icing on the cake of this bill, the uh, RJ releases, uh, hey, we're, the state's also paying $900 million towards uh, infrastructure and it's going to be it's going to be around the, um, the stadium. So all of a sudden you had this big blow up there now. I've heard conflicting reports, and this is speculation on my end. Just speculate. You'll hear different things from different people. But I still have a hard time. I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on here a little bit. I think that was Adelson showing the NFL who, who's the boss. Because it came out of his paper, and his paper alone, the dude wasn't fired. I heard he was reprimanded. But, he, I mean, we're talking, they could have blown the whole thing wide open. But it didn't. Came back the next day, the, the Nevada legislator voted it in. And it, the next Monday, the following Monday, uh, it was written into law by the governor. So from that point, they go. Mark Davis takes this inked paper. It goes to the goes to the uh, um, October meetings, fall meetings for the NFL. He presents this, and he still he's telling them that Adelson's still playing hardball. And uh, they're they, you know they're they like the deal. They like the fact that uh, they can't believe. That, uh, that Nevada came through with the money. So they made commitments. They said, if, if, if Nevada did this, we're going we're gonna to play ball with Mark. And Nevada did it. But we're having difficulties with Adelson. So Adelson then fires off in the media, says, you know, I, I could just walk away with it well, from this. He did this for, from uh, Yahoo through Yahoo again. Um, and so the Raiders see that, and they're, they're trying to negotiate over all kinds of things. And Adelson's group, from what I'm hearing, from what I've heard, they asked for everything. I mean, they were arguing over Coke and Pepsi. They were arguing over everything. I mean, just like any and everything. And every time they come up with a, a block, they would try to work on something else. But so they get that fixed, and then they go back and they go, well, we need more of this. And, and it just they just kept asking for more and more. And it's funny because Adelson says the Raiders were doing that. And, I, and that's not what I've heard. And Mike Florio's uh, pro football talk said the same thing. He heard that Adelson was trying to ask for the moon, trying to get team revenue, trying to get any kind of thing, trying to get, you know, of course, he still wanted a piece of the team, even though Mark Davis told him not, but it couldn't happen. So Allison's getting pissed off at the NFL. He's kind of getting mad at Mark because Mark's kind of, you know, telling him no. He doesn't like being told no. So December rolls around and they have the December meeting and the Raiders bring in um, Goldman Sachs to run a dual track to call it 
They're going to run a plan with Adelson, and they're you know and they're going to run a plan without Adelson. Now, Mark Davis and the Raiders informed Adelson that they were going to do this because they had a time limit, they have a timetable, trying to get everything ready for a March vote. And Adelson was fine with that. At least that's what he said. Um, and he even said it in the media as it kept going further and further through the January meetings um, that Goldman Sachs would do it with or without Adelson. Adelson was fine with that, being a part of the deal, not being part of the deal. But something blew up. Um, they presented the lease uh, proposal, which the stadium authority asked them to do. <clears throat> they were running... Um, they were running... Uh, the, the Goldman Sachs uh, position, and they, it looked more and more like they were going to do this deal without Adelson. Now, I can't speak for the man, but I can. I wrote, I wrote a piece on his legacy, and his legacy is very important to him. He wants everybody to know that uh, he brought the NFL to Las Vegas. And we're not, we're talking uh, maybe, you know, he wants people to know it 40 years from now, 50 years from now, when he's long gone. He wants that to be the memory, whether it's the statue built or, you know, um, the stadium's named after him. I don't know, but he, he wants everybody to know what he did. And there's a few things, and this is speculation. I'm just going to throw this out here for your listeners. It could have been that the Raiders were being, it was becoming more about the Raiders in the NFL and less about Sheldon Addison. For a man who has everything in the world, and he's working on his legacy, that that wouldn't fly. Uh, again, that's speculation. It could have been that he felt like Mark Davis uh, made a choice to uh, to take the NFL and the NFL owners' votes because that's what he's got to get to move, and chose those over Sheldon Adelson in their 50-year friendship. Um, he might have felt like, uh, you know, his father Al Davis. Um, should have, you know, should have gone rogue, would have gone rogue. And Mark Davis should have done the same thing. It should have been Adelson and Davis against the NFL. And we were going to make them do this. And we're going to show them this, that, and the other. Now, again, speculation, my part, not, not something I've actually heard. Um, but something basically put a burr in Adelson's saddle and he's not happy. At least that's, that's what he's telling everybody that he's not happy. Um, even though a week before he told everybody through his newspaper that he was fine either way. Um, and just, that Goldman Sachs is going to do this. Go ahead. Yeah, just no, you're on fine. on that point with the, with the newspaper article and, you know, you've been talking a little bit about the egos of, uh, Adelson and Goodell. Do you, yeah. do you think Adelson would be a hurdle to pushing this, this thing through if he doesn't get his way with his legacy and, and all that sort of thing? A hurdle, yeah. A hurdle, if he, he can he can definitely do some damage. I don't believe he can take the whole deal down. He's a powerful man, uh, but he's not all powerful. Um, if he was so, if he was powerful enough to to, to completely uh, derail the deal, um, there wouldn't be another casino in in all of uh, Southern Nevada. The all <laughs> sands. He doesn't have that power. Ed Rorsky's arrival at at, at, at sometimes. When has it been arrival at sometimes? MGM. Um, and, and, and Caesars Entertainment, you know, obviously those are the big boys as far as corporate power uh, in Las Vegas. I mean, Adelson is the most powerful man in Las Vegas. He's not the most powerful company, though. I would go to MGM. MGM employs something like 80,000 people or 
some of 40,000, 80,000, and, and then followed directly behind them, Caesar's Entertainment. Um, and, you know, and then you go to stations, and, and way down at the bottom of the list is, is, is Wynn and, um, and Sheldon Adelson. But the thing is, is they're, ind- they're individual owners. Yeah. Um, and so they're powerful men because they have, you know, majority say in their company, whereas these other companies are, um, are run by corporations, except for the Fertitas, of course, they stations, they own those, um, and they're powerful men as well. But they don't always get along. And in fact, up until this bill happened, uh, they hadn't all agreed on anything and probably ever. Uh, maybe <laughs> wow. Back, uh-huh. Maybe back to the... Yeah, they, they really don't. I mean, you know, they, uh, Adelson's basically sued all of them. Um, I mean, <laughs> three years ago, they were in a lawsuit between, it was Adelson and Wynn. It's so it's, it's you know, they, I mean, this was such a good deal. And if you ever listen to Steve Wynn, I'd YouTube him and his conversation with Ralston reports. was fantastic. That was um, a good one. It really was. And, and Wynn it, it, it explained how big of a deal this was to Las Vegas. Not just to Allison, not just to Wind. It's bigger than all of that. And Steve Sisolak even said that. This is bigger than the Raiders, and not, you know, a Raider fan. And this is bigger than Adelson. This is going to be the biggest thing that's ever happened to Las Vegas since I've been alive. I mean, it's it's huge. Um, bringing the NFL in to the one of the entertainment capitals of the world, uh, that's huge. And and it, it's for international branding. It just opens a gateway to a lot of different things. Yeah, look, it, it reminds me a bit of in Adelaide where both Duncan and I are from. We've had like a football stadium in the city and it's been, it's recently been renovated. They put five, about 500 million into it and it's completely revitalized like the downtown CBD district there. And it For definitely sure. seems, it seems as though like that kind of principle is sort of being applied to the Vegas um, the Vegas proposal as well. Yeah, there's, a, there's, there's. You, you, I'm glad you brought that up because you know there's a big, there's a big push. It's a symbolic push. That stadiums don't, don't do that. Don't do just what you just said. And if you look at the Oakland example, that's probably the worst on on the planet when it comes to stadium deals, unless you deal with the Olympic Games. So that's just <laughs> yeah. a whole different subject. But. Stadiums in general, if they're done right, if the cities go in and, 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 and put the backbone of the entire city behind it, behind the project, and, and, and make that their crown jewel of a, a development project around it, you can do magical things. It'll put a lot of people back to work. It shows business that, hey, it, the city shows business that, hey, we're willing to deal. We're going to make you guys some offers. We're going to revitalize us redevelop and put a lot of people to work and everybody wins plus say you know by raising the um the the development raising the income and, and the money's going out the, and the uh, and whatnot the, the city gets to collect more and more taxes and there's no perfect more better perfect example of this than arlington's uh, arlington texas Jerry's they started well. this yeah they well they started with the baseball stadium okay so they got the they got, they got Texas Stadium for the Rangers. They took out um, a thirty year loan on that, paid it back, or no, twenty year loan on that, paid it back in ten, because they were making money hand over fist, because they used that and put 
put their entire weight of their city behind it. They they offered uh, uh, great deals on hotels and tourists and everything to get people. Once you get them in for the game, then you're gonna you're basically the the idea is the city wants to fleece them as they're coming and then as they're going. So you got the hotels, you got the car rentals, you got you got all of everything supports all that the restaurants. Stadium. Exactly, yeah, restaurants and everything that you can think of, they throw out there and they put business around to support that. Well, Jerry Jones said, hey, I need some money too. And so they came up with the deal with Jerry Jones and, and, and whatnot, and they built AT&T Stadium. Now, they get $2.5 million in revenue from that stadium directly and pay to, to the, to the, to the um, city. Jerry keeps the rest, all of it, every bit of it. And and that is like the one of the biggest money making stadiums on the planet, but Arlington is drowning, absolutely drowning in, in sales tax revenue. They it, and and they continue to reinvest, use that money not just to to uh, pay off the bonds because they pay again they're paying those off and it looks like there's a thirty year deal they're paying them off at fifteen, and but they've also reinvested that money into into business. To support that stadium, and now they get over 100, 120 events at that stadium, and they're maximizing it. So that stadium is in use year round. The hotels are full, the restaurants are getting they're they're full. They're they're feeding everybody, and the, and the city is getting taxes from all of that. Now, exactly. I just want to chime in. Yeah. I just you mentioned yeah. 120 events a year, and it sort of annoys me when you you look at like the Oakland the Oakland Stadium situation where they've got it like in that almost ghetto region there in in East Oakland. And if they had the vision, they really could create something special there. They've got all the uh, all the transportation there that you're going to need. It's quite a hub. It's They've got the land there. It's prime position to make an absolute <laughs> killing, and they don't have the the wherewithal to put it all together. And do you think that there's any chance right now that with the lot group and Fortress Investment that there's actually a chance that Oakland can present a viable plan to keep the Raiders in Oakland? Well, you can never say never in this situation, but there are major obstacles in, in the way. First off, the NFL, um, like we said before, they, they went down in there September, and they laid out a plan. Roger Goodell sent Eric Grubbin down there, and they laid out a plan. They said, hey, look, um, this is right when uh, the Perry Investment Group and Mission Bay Developments left the project. Um, that was basically the money and the developer. They, they bailed. And so the NFL said, hey, we're going to take this opportunity right here. We're going to tell you how to do it. You're going to lease or sell us the land. Just tell us how much it is, and we'll go ahead and do that. And uh, we'll make it happen. We'll develop it. We'll figure it out. But we need we need control of the land. And um, that was that didn't that didn't work for them. They decided to go ahead and find another um, sugar daddy, and that was Fortress Investment Group, which is the lot group brought in to finance this situation. Of course, they'd just been bought out by SoftBank, which is a big major like a huge um, conglomerate out of japan they own sprint and it's a uh, myoshi son is that's his company um he has a bay area roots he actually went to school high school uh, uh in, in in the bay area went to stanford stanford grad so i mean he understands the bay area and the tech industry he's heavy tech he's a heavy tech guy they want to invest in tech they just made a promise to the united states to invest 50 billion dollars um, and that we, we believe this is part of it, buying Fortress. Now, Fortress is going to sign what's called an exclusive negotiation agreement 
with the city and county, and that's going to happen on February 28th. That'll, be, that'll take effect. That'll be in effect for a whole year, um, and it can be extended twice, um, two six-month periods. Um, without a vote, it can just be done by Claudia Capio, the, the city uh, uh, finance manager, I believe that's, that's her title. Um, or uh, it, it, it'll be terminated with a clause if the Raider, if the NFL votes for relocation. Now, if the NFL votes to allow the Raiders to leave, it goes into a 30-day window of, ne- of exclusive negotiating based on the land to do other projects. The A's are still looking possibly to build on the Coliseum land. Um, that land, because of all of those wonderful uh, infrastructure things you were talking about, Caltrans, uh, BART, uh, 880 access, uh, freeways, the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the 880 freeway, the uh, airport, all of that's a major transportation hub, um, which has just been absolutely misused for the last 30 plus years. Yeah, but, it's it, it, it really yeah. seems like with the ENA that they're going to have that the NFL has said, look, we want to negotiate directly with you and Oakland a sticking fortress in the middle of that that communication line. It's, it's a bit of a, um, a political conundrum. It is. It's, so here's the thing. When with this happening, with the with the, with the news that Sheldon Adelson backed out, uh, the mayor has twice now doubled down on her statement that there's going to be no public funding, um, and any funding is going to be used is going to be for for um, infrastructure alone. Now it's not even a gift; it's a loan. The hundred million of that infrastructure money wants to, they want them to pay it back through revenue bonds, which is a which is basically taking the revenue in the stadium, and we're going to take a slice of that. Um, and then the other would be creating a tax and criminal finance district and using that money, basically, to pay off the rest of it. Now, of course, that's not for Mark to keep. That's for the, the city county to keep. That, the NFL is not going to buy that. It, it, it's, yeah, okay, so you've got two sides in there entrenched, and here's the, here, here are the issues. The land, that everything starts with the land. The, their, the control of the land, uh, ENAs, there's an ENA going to be in place between Fortress and Fortress going to have control of the land, which means that the NFL cannot deal directly with the city or county. It has to deal through a third party. That third party wants something, um, and it's a stake in the team. Now, they own um, a piece of the Minnesota Wild and another uh, professional sports team in the United States, plus now with uh, Maisha's son buying it through SoftBank, they own a baseball team in Japan. The NFL is not really happy with them, uh, first of all, with corporation buying into the team. They, they don't want corporations. They want people. They want a person. They want somebody that they can, you know. Someone they can mark up, have like a face. They, they can talk to you. Yeah, exactly, a face. Because what happens to corporations? They get bought out. So then different interests take over. And, and it's run by a board. and Nobody knows what's going to happen. There's a lot of, uh, the NFL doesn't like, uh, things that it can't control and uh, corporations you can't control them you know they, they, fortress just got bought out for example it went from public to private so mm-hmm. you know i mean it, that, that that's that and then they have uh interest in other teams and even stan kronke with all his his billions of dollars one of the things he owned part of that i believe the he owned the avalanche and he owned the nuggets and they allowed him to do that because he's pretty close in the area, but the condition to move to L.A., he had to give up ownership of those two teams because they don't like they don't like cross-sports ownership out of market. 
Now, I mean, if he wanted to buy the Lakers or he wanted to buy the Kings, that'd be okay because he's in Los Angeles. That's fine. But he doesn't want them, you know, he doesn't want them owning uh, teams in other markets because now he's competing against other NFL owners, you know, for money. I mean, he doesn't want that, not in another market. So they're not going to, they made him sell those teams. Now, he sold them to his son, but it's it's, it's a real transition, a transaction. So they don't like the fact that uh, the pro sports team. So that's that's the whole fortress thing. And then, of course, the land issue. And then you've got, there's no clarity on where the A's are going to play. They've got 15 acres set aside in the ENA for the for the A's, the athletics, to build a stadium there if they so choose. And they just came out today and said, well, hey, we spent millions of dollars. And they still haven't narrowed down a site. they got four sites <laughs> they're looking at. One of them is the Coliseum. But so they spent millions of dollars to tell you we haven't decided yet. Okay. Um, it, uh, it sums know, up Oakland for the last 10 years, it really. It really is. It's like, and then, of course, of course, you have this, you have this travel hub, you have this infrastructure, you have everything you can possibly want. You've got three teams: you've got the Golden State Warriors, you've got the Oakland A's, you've got the Oakland Raiders, and you've got them all right there. And what do you do to the surrounding area for the last fifty years? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. No development. Yeah. It's 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 industrial. It's an industrial wasteland. It's low income housing. Now I don't have anything against. I'm not poo pooing low-income housing people that's that's not what i'm doing here but we're talking about specifically for a stadium and pro sports your pro sports should be your crown jewels and you could have developed that whole area and made it um the silicon valley i mean in fact silicon valley when it started it went to oakland and contra Costa, alameda and contra Costa county first they were looking for you know a good deal to say hey you know you guys we're we're, we're a new thing we're tech industry we want to you give us some tax breaks and we won't build in any like, no, <laughs> no, finally. Yeah. Santa Clara did it. Santa Clara County. They were like, you know what? We'll give you some tax breaks. And the Silicon Valley was born. Contra Costa County had the oil refineries um, and they had a lot of manufacturing um, and they had a little bit of tech and in- interest in Long Creek. And then Alameda had all, had all of this, you know, there was a very blue collar uh, town had a lot of manufacturing and a lot of, there's a lot of blue collar jobs, you know, PG and E and stuff you know, Clorox and, you know, factories. And those all went the way of the, you know, white buffalo. And tech is taking over everything. And Oakland is like the last place in the entire Bay Area besides Richmond, which is another, you know, uh, another this armpit of, uh, of of the Bay Area, which has not. They have been mired in, in, in uh, uh, poor decision-making, poor politics, and then you look across the bay. Now, in 1988, there was a La Prieta uh, earthquake, which basically collapsed the Cypress section, which was uh, a feed into the Bay Bridge on the Oakland side. It's a double-decker free. Boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. On the other side, in San Francisco, they had the Embarcadero, which was another double-triple-decker bridge. Now, San Francisco, in its, in its uh, infinite wisdom, decided to tear all that down. They said, we're not going to have that problem here. And they tore it all down. And the Embarcadero is now one of the most gorgeous places in, in, in the Bay Area. They got the, they brought in trolley cars. They, they revitalized the that. whole area. And what, they, what, what, what was the anchor to that? What was the linchpin? AT&T, the baseball AT&T, stadium. The baseball stadium, which they called Pac Bell Park back then. 
Um, cause I lived in the area when that happened. So it's like they linchpin that and created all of this stuff. Now they didn't pay a whole lot. They paid like $15 million in infrastructure help, but they put the entire weight of the city behind it. They haven't done that in Oakland. So you've got, you've got, they don't trust the, the Oakland politicians. The NFL doesn't trust the Oakland politicians. Um, there's even another thing, the stadium, uh, lease agreement. When the Raiders got batted back from when they, when they became the third, third horse in a three horse race in Los Angeles, they came back and they said, okay, we're going to give Oakland one more chance. But what we want to do is we want to get this lease knocked out and then we're going to negotiate on a, on a stadium deal. And so January, I mean, they straight to their word, they came back, they worked through January and at the beginning of February, <clears throat> they came up with an agreement with the joint powers of those association, excuse me, joint powers authority, which is a, a quasi government body that represents the county and the city, uh, Alameda County and the city of Oakland. That's what runs the stadium. They came up with an agreement. This was in February. They announced it. You can go YouTube that if you want to, because it's, it's, it's there. And yeah, that Larry, Larry Reed sounded very committed at that. Absolutely. That. Yeah, that presser. Absolutely. Presa. He was. Larry Reed is Larry Reed is pro pro Raider big time. He's he he's a he, he he always has been. Um yeah. and then it had Scott Haggerty was saying was was say, Yeah, we're behind this. We're gonna keep the Raiders, we're gonna do this, that, and the other. And guess what happened? Mm. This is February. They do nothing. The JPA, they created this deal. It, the JPA doesn't get to negotiate on its own. They have to send that lease deal back to Oakland and back to Alameda to be ratified. And Oakland vetoed it. They reneged, basically. It's not legally reneging because they they always had veto power. But they just vetoed it. They went, no, we want more money. And so what ends up happening is instead of signing that agreement in February, that agreement, they make up a new agreement, have to renegotiate. And, and JPA has got to go back to the Raiders and go, oh, by the way, no, we're, we need more money. That that was the end for Mark. That was the end for the NFL as far as dealing with them. And it, they don't trust them. Um, and Mark said, fine, I'm, I'm just going to Vegas. So they, they it took them until April, late April, before they actually signed the lease um, and for a lot more money. So and now, and now they've passed that. They've passed it on to the to the season ticket holders because they've increased their their season ticket prices for the first time in close to a uh, better part of five to ten years. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what happened, and that's unfortunate because because uh, you know they 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 had a deal in place. Um, they thought they had a deal in place, and that's when Mark Davis and and he announced it at that particular meeting in February. We're not going to raise season ticket prices because we're, they were getting a good deal from the city. So. Yeah. Exactly. Um, mm -hmm. We've heard Jason Cole of Bleacher Report. He reported earlier in the week that the Raiders have told the NFL they've got two banks prepared to loan them the money to fill the Adelson funding gap in Vegas. Now, some some a cynic, I guess they might say, if a bank can loan them the money for Vegas, why can't they do something similar to stay in Oakland? Well, it's a matter of, number one, it's a matter of, First, you have revenue streams. If you compare the two cities and their revenue streams, let's start there. In Las Vegas, there is an unspoiled revenue stream. 
All right, the, the stadium is going to make X amount of money. Let's say, um, based on the reports, the stadium is going to make anywhere from two hundred fifty million to three hundred fifty million dollars. The money that that uh, the revenue stream that the, the banks can tap into is going to be one hundred twenty-five to two hundred twenty-five million. There is no tax. There is no revenue share. There's none of that. So we're looking at one hundred twenty-five to two hundred twenty-five million in revenue that has that's unspoiled. There's no there's no nobody's taking that revenue. It's just it's there. It's going to be there. It's going to be profit. Uh, about half of that, maybe you know, after everything's said and done, maybe a third of it. It's going to be pure profits. But there's nobody there's nobody grabbing revenue streams out of there. No slices. No hands. No no hands in the piggy in the piggy bank. Now you go to Oakland. They have they want uh, to have revenue bonds for for the uh, for the infrastructure. That's somebody putting their hand in the piggy bank. Um, they want to do a revenue split with the city. That's another hand in the piggy bank. Uh, there are one, two, three, four, wait, four other places where you can go to see a major event in Oakland. You get San Jose. You got uh, Levi Stadium. You got uh, Stanford. You've got uh, uh, California Berkeley, so there's competition for events in in uh, the Bay Area where there is no competition for events in Las Vegas. That stadium is going to be alone, and there's nothing for four for four hours in any direction. That, that, that's that, that's how long it takes you to get to another stadium. So the revenue is actually going to be less. Event revenue is going to be less in Oakland. And it's going to be more in Las Vegas, and it's going to be untapped. Whereas the revenue stream in Oakland is going to have people's little hands in the in the in, in the jar already before it even starts. So we're, we got to look at that. Then you look at the land issue. Um, the land in in Oakland is not clear on whether it's going to be a lease or sale. Um, and of course, there's those issues of wanting revenue um, split and whatnot for the use of it in Las Vegas. There are no regulations. Of course, there's regulations in the Bay Area. I'll get back to that. There's no regulations that hinder building there. In, in, in Las Vegas, in the county around it, Clark County, Clark County has the final say on building permits, not the FAA, not some um, other body um, like California has. It's just Clark County. So if you want to build something there, you get the supervisors on your side, and they pass it. Now, the FAA has to be consulted. They do have to fill out a federal form. But the FAA can only recommend. They can't actually stop it. Now, in California, if you saw with St the whole Inglewood situation with Stan Kroenke, the FAA, to get a building permit in California, to even get for water digging or anything, if you're building a building X amount of feet high, you have to get an FAA approval. That has to be stamped and done before you can get any of the other permits. So Stan Kroenke took him a year from announcing Inglewood before he could start breaking ground because the FAA wouldn't sign off. And in fact, it's almost like corporate blackmail because Stan Kroenke had to purchase the new satellite system for LAX at $26 million, I believe, to get a rubber stamp on his FAA permit so he could get the deep, deep digging permit and the water permit. It's like, are you kidding me? Now, you think about that in Oakland. They, they don't have an, uh, in, in Oakland, of course, in California, you have to have an environmental impact report. That takes two years, two to three years. 
you can bypass it with a state, um, uh, you can put it on the ballot for like a county ballot or city ballot. But that also takes time and money, uh, at least a year for that to go through. Now, that's just to, if you pick a spot, you're like, oh, hey, I've got uh, 100 acres here. I'm going to build a stadium. Got to do all of these things first before you can even consider doing that. That's way too much red that, tape. That's a lot of red tape now in, in Las Vegas. That's why there's like five different alternate sites. Hey, you can come here because there's no red tape. It's, it's Clark County. And that's it. That's who's got the final say. And seven people can vote and done. Is it, that's it. So yeah, if you're really a bank, seems like if you're a bank just getting their own way. Loan, yeah, if you want to loan something, you've got uncertainty. You have certainty. Now, now we get down to the finances, the money. I'm going to go to you, and I say I'm going to build a 1.3 billion dollar stadium. I'm going to invest 500 million. You have to invest 800 million. That's Oakland. Now they're getting less revenue. They're you know there's less revenue streams. There's more people's hands in the cookie jar. We don't have clarity on any land. Um, we don't have an alternate plan for any land that'll bet that we can do now. It's at least two years out. And I have to finance 65% of it, 64% basically. 64% of it, the bank has to finance. Now we go to Las Vegas, okay? We've got 750 million in public funding. And now Mark Davis has 5 million. So we have 1.25 billion set aside that Mark Davis can say, I've got this much money and we're looking at building a $1.9 million stadium, 1.8 actually, the extra hundred million for a practice facility. And, uh, and it might not even cost that much. It might only cost 1.5 billion or 1.6 million. You're looking at it as a bank. You've got a bigger revenue stream to tap, to, to, to guarantee the loan. You're only financing up to 34% of the stadium, okay? 34% as opposed to 64%. More revenue. It's untouched. You've got, and, and, and you're not financing the majority of it. So if you were buying a home and you, you and a friend of yours went to the bank and you told the bank, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finance 65% of this. I've got a great job. I got, you know. I've got no alimony payments. I've got no credit card payments. Everything's good. I'm making a whole ton of money. Will you will you loan me the rest of it for my house? And then you got your friend over here is going, I don't have as much money and I pay child support and alimony and I'm deep in debt on my credit cards and you actually have to pay the majority of it. Who's gonna get the loan? It's it's simple finance. Mm. Yeah, definitely. That's why Las Vegas works and for a private financier and it doesn't work in Oakland. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at the the market sizes and a lot of people have said, oh, the Bay Area is such a huge market, but you, you've really broken it down well in that the the Bay Area has so many revenue places, so many big stadiums that can like really tap into the revenue streams and make make Oakland not as big a market as Vegas in terms of what they can tap into. Now, for for a long time, we've we've talked about the owners meeting in March. Now, late March, it's around Easter time, so I think it's the twenty sixth of March, roughly, and mm -hmm. that's been tentatively scheduled as the vote of when any Vegas proposal is going to come down. Now, given that Adelson's just come out of the deal and they're trying to get the financing together, what are the chances that this further gets delayed until possibly May? Or please don't tell me there's got to be another 12 months of this jargon. 
You know, I, I wish I could I could come in here and say, you know, I've got a magic wand and it's going to happen in one. Um, I'm actually flying out to uh, to Phoenix and I'm going to be there at that meeting. And you know, when I was when I booked all of that stuff, I got a hotel, I got I get the plane tickets. I, I was I was told it was a done deal. I mean, lots of people. So now it's not what we call a done deal. Now it's a more than likely. Um, the NFL is behind Mark Davis 100% on this. Uh, the votes are there. Now, when we say the votes are there, uh, it's kind of like a handshake agreement. They, they, they talk about things and, and they do things and the owners say, okay, you do this, you got my vote. Okay, so we're putting this in the language of the bill. Um, like, for example, I'll give you an example of this. In the, in the lease proposal, uh, for the first 15 years, the Raiders are allowed to play five international home games, which means that the, the contract allows them to take one home game and play it in London or Mexico or China, wherever the NFL deems they can do that. That's in the lease. And in the next 15 years, they can also play five international home games you know, abroad. So somebody in the NFL said that's one of the owners or maybe a group of owners. That was their stipulation. Mark, we'll let you do this. You'll get our vote if that's in the agreement. Okay, well, that's in the agreement. So that's in the agreement because somebody, that's for votes um, in the lease proposal. And that's to get votes. So he's got all of these votes and, and he has more than he needs to go ahead and get the votes. But these are, at this point, we're, we're still at, we've seen a proposal, they like what they're hearing, now we have to get down to the brass tacks. The details, the red tape, the, the, the language, the contractual language, the financial money, the, the deal with the uh, stadium authority, all of those things have to be locked, or at least as close to locked to make the NFL owners feel comfortable enough after they've talked, after they've spoken to their bean counters and attorneys, to uh, go ahead and give their blessing on this, so we can do a, we can do. I do this in in in, in uh, consulting the same way. We go ahead and we, you know, I tell them how to do this, this, and this, and they get a handshake agreement with somebody else to do this, and then it's like that's great. Now send me the the now send it to me in writing. Let my my attorney look at it because that's what it all boils down to. You have to have an attorney. You have to have, you know, contracts, and and the contracts need to express what you agreed with, and and, and kind of a uh, we agreed in principle on it. So we've got three weeks, less than three weeks, until uh, the March 9th meeting, the Stadium Authority meeting in in uh, Las Vegas, and you can check that out at lvstadiumauthority.com, and you can see the schedule there. All of that needs to be locked. They need to go into that meeting. They need to be pretty, pretty lockstep. And the, the, the finances got to be on board. The, the agreement needs to be, okay, we're going to go ahead. And this, this looks good. We're going to go forward from here. Then they need to take that information and then hand it to the NFL bean counters immediately. We're going to have about two and a half weeks to study it. And then they're going to go to prospective owners and tell them yes or no, that, that there's stuff in there. Because they're going to go to their owners and the owner's going to be like, well, I'll change that a little bit going to go back and forth. And it takes some, takes some time to do this. They don't make decisions. Billionaires don't make hasty decisions. That's, that's one <laughs> big thing. They don't. They absolutely don't. So, if all the I's and T's are not dotted and crossed, 
They're going to punt this and could punt it as far as May. If all of this stuff isn't wrapped up by May, personally, in my opinion, it's it's a blown deal. Uh, it'll be very difficult to pick up the pieces. Um, Nevada might get antsy and change the law. Or when it comes back around to October, um, the stadium authority could not could decide to not request a six month extension and it will die. Um, and then the UNLV stadium will kick off, which is the portion of the bill just to build a collegiate stadium, which is not NFL capable. It won't be an NFL stadium. Or they can extend it out uh, to April for another relocation period because you can only reloc you can only file for relocation once every year. And that deadline is February 15th. So they might try for another uh, they might try for another team by that time. Or they Raiders might try again, uh, but it it will push everything out another year. So now all of a sudden the Raiders, you know, their contract, their two one year deals go until 2018, and that's under ideal circumstances. The 2019 C has got to be played somewhere, and they're right now they're saying it's going to be Sam Boyd Stadium. Well, let's tack another year on there because if this stuff doesn't get approved until 2018 we're going to tag another year on the construction right mm. so it really really does tear thing up now on top of that there's um u.s congress congressional legislation that has been put out there to try to take away the tax-exempt status of stadium bonds which basically it doesn't ruin a deal it doesn't take the 750 million off the table or anything like that but what it does do is it jacks up the interest rates on those it costs more money which means that every economic plan that has been made for this now has to be adjusted to add one to two more percent over 33 years and if you start doing that like the zeros start adding up and your eyes start popping out because it could it could cost you know the 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 state the stadium authority another four or five hundred million dollars if you just adjust it one or two points for mm-hmm. sure i mean you know yeah so there's that i mean and it's probably not going to pass but don't think that the nfl is not paying attention to this so the nfl wants to get this done and they want to get it done in march and it could it definitely i'm still leaning that it's going to happen in march because they are pushing this like it's nobody's business uh, if they have to though they'll punt it to may if it doesn't get done in May, my goodness, they're going to quit talking about it. I mean, it's people probably might get fired. I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, it's a it's a big deal. So, anyways, it's uh, it's definitely something that we're going to have to keep our eyes yeah. on. And um, if in the future, of course, we'd love to have you back on the show after the the owners' meetings have gone down and, and get your thoughts on that uh, as well. If- Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. So we're going to wrap it up, Scott. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, yeah, thank you very much, mate. We really appreciate so how it. Sur- how do you survive down there? I mean, <laughs> I, I watched Crocodile Dundee, and everything kills you. It's it's true, literally <laughs> everything, even the fluffy, you gotta, you gotta, looking, the ones they. You got a spider that kills you in seven seconds? Yeah. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Um, it is so awesome. You have no idea. You know, uh, talking to Australians is, is is amazing. And I met some Australians in the Gulf uh, Gulf War, and they were. It's just the way you guys talk is awesome. So. <laughs> I, I was a pleasure to be on here. I would love to do it again. Um, really appreciate so, it, mate. We'll just uh, yeah. just quickly before you go, do you want to give us a little plug of your Twitter account or any other writing sites that you might be involved with for people to uh, check out? 
Another thing that I, a place that I go is uh, silverandblackpride.com. It's owned by Vox as part of the SB Nation. I did some fan posts there, and I still do post there and, and talk there. It's a great place to hang out. It's a great forum um, for fan talk. And, of course, um, I'm at Carolina, like the state, underscore Raider. So it's Carolina underscore Raider. That's, that's my Twitter handle. So... Uh, too uh, easy. Please uh, check check me out, and then of course from there I'm gonna, I I go ahead and plug when I do when I do uh, writing and and whatnot, um, and also uh, run Skypes or uh, uh, scopes. Uh, yeah. Scopes. Yeah. I'll add I'll um, add I'll add there that uh, Scott's periscopes are great for getting any any breaking news regarding the stadium. So um, you can interact with him on there. They're really informative, um, and you're not going to get any better info that's coming in live than what Scott's giving you. So, Scott, I'll, I'll thank you for all your info today, and we look forward to having you on the show shortly. Appreciate it. I look forward to being back. Cheers, Scott, for a great interview on what is most definitely a fluid situation. Hopefully this situation resolves itself sooner rather than later for all parties involved. You've got you've got your stay in Oakland fans. You've got your fans that want to get a new stadium. Then you've got your pro Vegas fans. Raider Nation really needs to unite itself together. And the only way that it's going to happen long term is with a new stadium. Yeah, for sure. Look, I think even just me as a fan of football, I want to see this resolved sooner rather than later so that we can get on with, you know, the the more important side of actually playing the game. Exactly. It's it's um, quite a, a minuscule thing in the grand scheme of things, but it's it's certainly been blown out of proportion to a degree. And just to describe how fluid this situation is exactly, so we recorded the interview with Scott a few days ago, and since then... Joe Arrigo, who is, I call him Joe Schefter. He's that on the money regarding this whole situation with Vegas. He's um, recorded on Periscope that the two banks are going to be US Bank and JP Morgan Chase. So there you have it. That's another another very fluid thing going on right now. Um, there's the stadium and the financing committee. They meet on March 6th through March 8th. And what's going to happen is you're sort of going to see the NFL starting to project the Raiders moving forward. So if we don't hear anything good coming out of those meetings, things aren't really going to be looking good. But then if all systems are go, you're going to see on March 9, which is one day after those meetings, the Raiders are going to meet with the Las Vegas Stadium Authority. And at that time, an agreement for the lease between the Raiders and the Stadium Authority should be announced to the public in principle. If that all happens, we're going to be seeing a vote on this in a couple of weeks, Dunk, at the owners' meetings. Yep, for sure. And just for our listeners, we're going to be having Scott back on the show around the time of that owners' meeting so we can get the inside word, that exclusive that you won't hear anywhere else. You hear it firsthand. You hear it here on any given Monday. All right, Dunk, I know you're a little bit under the weather this week, so let's, let's let's just try to get a bit of a slam dunk in, or maybe if you can, might just have to be a bit of a layup. What do you got at us? 
Yeah, it's going to be a bit of a layout this week now. It's, look, we went on a bit of a rant last week. We went for the hardcore, you know, posterized slam dunk. This week, I want to go in a little bit of a different direction. So I was thinking this week about Darrell Revis. For those of you who don't really know, Darrell Revis plays cornerback for the New York Jets. For a while there, he was referred to as one-off, if not the best shutdown corner in the league, and nobody wanted to go near Revis Island. Like you, you just didn't throw the ball at him because he was that good. Nowadays, he's not quite the same. You know, he, he's getting on a little bit now. He's not quite as good as he used to be, and it really got me thinking about just how lucky we are to have witnessed what has been such a fantastic era for football. So I just wanted to run through Nads. I wanted to run through a few of the players that have retired in the last four years, three or four years, okay? There are some huge names on this list. So if we start with the obvious one, Peyton Manning, future Hall of Famer, one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. We'll rattle off some names really quick here. Reggie Wayne, all-time great for the Colts. you got Charles Woodson, future Hall of Famer, played corner for the Raiders, for the Packers. Calvin Johnson Jr., Megatron, wide receiver for the Detroit Lions. We'll go rapid fire here. Marshawn Lynch, Maurice Jones-Drew, Patrick Willis, Ray Lewis, Brian Erlacher, Troy Polamalu. The list goes on and on now. These are all, all like lock Hall of Fame names in the future. And we've been lucky enough to witness them play in the last 5, 10 years. And I think all of the NFL fans out there should just take a second to appreciate just how lucky we are to have been witness to what has been a golden era of American football. Yeah, it certainly seems, Dunk, that there's quite a bit of a golden era that's happened in the last 5 to 10 years of, of pro football. And I think we've seen that with the numbers uh, the stats are just completely being blown out of the water these days. We're seeing records getting broken left, right, and center. We're seeing an age where throwing for 5,000 yards is happening quite frequently in the league, and you're seeing scores higher than ever. We saw Shanahan's um, Atlanta offense just amazing this year, for instance. They're breaking records. It's like the greatest show on turf again. Um, but re- realistically, you've got so many guys who – could be first ballot Hall of Famers, and it's going to be interesting to see where they do end up on the ballot in the next five to ten years. Oh, without a doubt, Nads, and I'm I for one, I'm going to be you know really looking forward to see when some of these guys get in. Um, but from my point of view, they'll all be there eventually. Yeah, I completely agree. They're all more or less going to get in. It's just a matter of when. Well, that brings us to a close today. Be sure to like us on Facebook at Any Given Monday Pod. Follow us on Twitter as well, guys, at Any Given M-O-N-P-O-D. Retweet our stuff, like our posts, share them where you can. That's it, guys. Get some love for us out there. You can also remember you can catch uh, Hayden at HB Nadoni, N-A-D-O-L-N-Y. And you can catch me at D-Song, S-O-A-N-G. And remember, guys, we've also got the hashtag AskNad segment. That'll be back next week. So make sure you fire in your questions at us using that hashtag. I am really excited for AskNads on our next show because it's going to be an absolute belter. So get those questions firing in if you haven't already. We're actually going to be hitting you up with another great show later this week because the NFL at this time of the year, there is no off season. 
Be sure to tune in to hear about our thoughts from the NFL Combine, a preview of free agency, and a review of the coaching movements around the league, not to mention the one and only slam dunk. In the meantime, keep fighting for those inches. Bye for now. Bye. It's Tracy Porter again. He's going to go all the way. Oh, God. Can he catch up? He's 40. Oh, he's a man 35. Look at him go. 35.